You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. We're going to be in the book of Romans, chapter number 12. I start here because this is definitely, I, I believe many of the verses I'm sharing with you today are were very and are very transformative verses in my life. And so I want to share with you a number of uh, things here. And last week we talked a little bit more about the will of God and getting our minds right so that we could know and live the perfect will of God for our lives. We're kind of staying in that same vein, but in verse number 1, the Bible says of Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, and by the way, the therefore is really connected to everything leading up to this point, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So that was the emphasis of last week, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that again, but uh, I am so glad that I was challenged time and time and again with the truths of that verse to present, to, to be able to trust God enough to say, okay, Lord, here, I, I, I'm giving my life to you. I'm giving myself to you. Whether it makes sense to me or not, whether it's what I want to do or not, uh, you know, I think every one of us, I mean, you think about the, uh, we, a lot of times we think about the young people when you talk on a subject like this, on, it's not always on the answer to the question, what do you want to do, ought to be whatever God wants me to do. And God has the right to change our plans, yes? He has the right to change our plans. He has the right to change what we want to do. And the thing that we've got to trust and believe when it comes to God is that he has our best interest at heart. And I think, I think it's an amazing struggle. It's, it's, I speak of it often, but really it's the condition of man because the very first If you think about that very first temptation and that very first sin in the Garden of Eden was Satan saying to Eve, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You get to be your own god. You get to make your own choices. That's that's the very first temptation. And so, and man just kind of feeds into that. So therefore, we have a tough time, oftentimes, trusting God with our future. We have a tough time thinking that God's way is the best way. Unless God's way does agree with our way, but what if God's way doesn't? And so it's really, can be a, it's really a condition of man, whether it's the, the direct teaching of Scripture, as in just line upon line what God says, and we're just like, well, man, I, I'm not too comfortable with that. But if it's what it's God's telling us to do or not to do, then we line up with it. And I'll say more about that in just a moment. Or if it's just... You know, a direction based on the Word of God that the Lord is leading our lives. You know, like whether it be a a place of ministry. Um, You know, God often speaks and calls people that aren't normally up front to be up front. Uh, You know, I I know that God has people that serve in the background, and that's exactly where he wants them to stay. But here's the thing. What if God... What if you're that person and God said, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something different. And I want to put you in front of everybody. Are you okay with that? Um, because God's done that. Not every preacher that God's ever called to preach, I promise you, is a person that wants to get up and preach and be in front of everybody. A lot of them are people just like you that would rather be off in the corner not talking to anybody. Uh, but God calls them anyway, and God enables them. And then we can think, well, that would be awful. But then just think about what you're saying. If you're saying, wow, God's plan for my life would be terrible. 
You know, if we just think through these things. But anyway, and that's where we get into verse number two. All right, how are we going to be uh, getting into this place of the will of God? But notice what he says in verse two. And be not conformed to this world. And by the way, world right there. What does world mean when you read? I, I meant to get a mic because I, I, I want to try to get some participation today to pass around, but not participation to pass around, but a mic to pass around perhaps. But, and be not conformed to this world. When the Bible talks about... Um, when the Bible talks about the world in this particular context, uh, what does it talk about, the world? Or, or maybe give me a couple of examples of what the world is. Is anybody willing to pop on this thing? Would you be willing, Lucas, to run this sucker around or not? All right. So uh, you could And this way, just people that are watching might be able to hear it. So, so Jennifer, take it over there to Jennifer. See, now it's going to scare people off. That's what I'm worried about, about using the mic. What are you going to say? Melanie's got uh, something. Uh, the world. The world system. Yeah, okay. And that's the answer to this passage. Uh, Melanie, while you got it, what's a couple other examples of the what's other times it talks about the world? People, like population, mankind. Yeah. Uh, then maybe a third one. Governments, I don't know. Yeah, okay. That's good, though. So, so first of all, she did define, uh, and then now, Lucas, you can just come sit up front until somebody else hollers. And, uh, you mind doing that, Lucas? You good? He's like, oh, not really. Kind of. Uh, but uh, he got voluntold. I don't want to voluntold somebody, amen? But anyway, no, but that's right. So, because the world, the Bible says, for God so loved the world. And then somebody says, yeah, but here it says that don't be conformed to the world. It seems like the world's a negative sense. Well, it is. Because there's the world, like Melanie said, that's mankind. Uh, we love the world, that God so loved the world in that sense. There's the earth was the other thing we call our world. Uh, but yes, to Melanie's point, it's like the world system, the, uh, this, this attitude that really goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, this, this, this attitude, this move, this spirit that works against God and against the will of God. So don't be conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, all right? So the transform there, does anybody remember? We've mentioned that quite a few times, what that word transform means. Yeah, it comes from the Greek word where we get our word metamorphosis from. So it means to be changed. It means to go from one form to another one that's barely even recognizable. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's kind of what I'm going to focus on a little bit today as far as the title is concerned being transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable in the perfect will of God, so that you might be able to walk and live and what God has for your life. I mean, and listen, the life that God has for you is the life. There's nothing better than living the life that God has for you. And I know it's real easy sometimes, if you've been on the earth for a while, you may say to yourself, man, I've kind of messed up so bad. I don't know. I, I think I've probably already blown, you know, any kind of chance for a good life. No, listen, God, God is not done yet, and there's still hope for you. And so when it comes to the perfect will of God, God still has a perfect will for you. He has a, a place and a way for you to live. And so thinking about that today, uh, he said the way we're going to achieve that is we're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, renewing there kind of carries the idea. Is this on? Yeah, okay, sorry. I get, uh, I start, it's like an auction and I start seeing certain movements and I think people are trying to talk to me. Um, maybe it's just my head. But anyway, um, 
the idea of renewing is kind of taking out the old and putting in something new, right? Uh, it's restoration. It's renovation. You know, we've been doing a lot of, lot of that here at the church. But before you can put something new in, you have to take the old out. And if you look in 2 Corinthians with me real quickly, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, and this is a verse again that I, I mention often, but I'm telling you, I think of this verse on a, uh, I think of this verse personally on a very regular basis because it's something we ought to be having in practice every single day of our lives. Okay. Um, he says there in, we'll just start in verse number 2 of 2 Corinthians 10. But I beseech you that I may not be, that I may not be bold when I am present with, with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think, as if, think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So look at that. We're pulling down strongholds. Just think about renovation. We're casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So if you think about that, what's being said there today, uh, you ever watch, anybody ever watch those home improvement shows? What do you got to say, Chad? Okay, he's bringing it. <laughs> you got to switch it on? I'll, do you mind muting it when people's done? And that way you can just leave it on. Yeah. It's working. Uh, Colossians 2.8, I thought, tied in really well with the world and your renovation and all that. 2.6-8, it says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Be, beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Amen. That does very well. What was that? What was the reference there again? Colossians 2, 6 through 8. Colossians 2, 6 through 8. And what we can do with the mic deals, like if it's just something quick that I can repeat, that's fine. But if it's something a little bit longer like that, we'll let you share. But that's right. That's a, that's a very good passage to share. Um, let's see. Uh, renovating. Yeah, if you ever watch those home improvement shows, and that's why I like I entitled this, it's, it's really old. Does anybody remember like the... Uh, uh, the extreme renovation shows, uh, um, and I forget, I even forget what they were called now. It's actually the title of a message today. Extreme makeover, right? They do the extreme makeover. They would do uh, extreme makeover, then it'd be somebody that they're trying to get to lose weight, and they're having an extreme makeover. They're losing weight, and they're getting in shape. It's an extreme makeover. Or they'll do an extreme makeover, and it would be a home. You know, so they'd be renovating somebody's house until you cannot recognize what it was before. But in this case... We are talking about renovation of the mind. Taking out the thoughts that we had that do not honor God and bringing in the thoughts that do. And so with all that the Bible has to say about the mind, there's a word that I want to bring back into play if you're still in that 2 Corinthians territory. The Bible says in verse 4, For the weapons of ours, anybody there, what's that word? Warfare. Warfare. 
Now, we talked about this before. You know, people like to use war in ways that probably not always should be used, right? And I get it when, a, when an athlete's trying to motivate themselves and they're like, man, we're going to war today. You know, we got, it's like, yeah, but you're not, you know. Or, you know, it, this is a corporate battle, you know. We're at war with the competition and we've got it. Well, yeah, but not really, you know. So sometimes I can almost be a little bit, I get it. But when you think about the reality of what war is, it's like it makes you a little bit, it makes me more hesitant to use the word warfare unless it's for real talking about it. But in this case, folks, there is a very real war going on. The weapons of our warfare. What it tells us a couple things about it. They're not carnal. In other words, it's not according to the flesh. Um, you know, it seems like we've been along these lines in different messages, but I, I thought about a passage the other day that I, that I believe I was going to share on a Wednesday, but how that the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. I believe you find that in the book of James. Uh, that the, the, the carnal things, in other words, the things of our flesh, the things of our energy, uh, that is not how we fight. And that's why the Bible says in Ephesians 6 that our, our, our battle's not with flesh and blood. So the weapons of our warfare, the pulling down of strongholds, and then verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's interesting. Here he is talking about warfare, but he's talking about imaginations. That's images. That's things that we envision, things that we uh, see, uh, thoughts that we think, literal images that we have in our head. Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. So it's talking about knowledge there. All right, so when you're thinking, and we've talked about this a little bit before, when, when your mind or the world or temptation is telling you one thing, well, we'll go back even to Romans 12. God's Word is telling us that God's got a perfect will for our lives. And so that's what God's Word says. And so we're like, you know what? God said He has a plan for my life. And, man, that sounds great. I'd like to do God's will for my life. But then there's another thought that comes in to say, yeah, but what if that messes up the plans you had already? What if it messes up your plans? What if it means that you're going to have to go someplace that you don't want to go or do something you don't want to do? So what is that? Now you've got a knowledge that is trying to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Well, is it good to surrender to God and, and present my body and my life to God? Or is it not? What if it takes me a path that I don't want to go down? And so what do you do? You've got to make the choice to say, you know what? I'm going to tear down this knowledge that is exalting itself against knowledge of Christ. And I'm going to go with what God said. And I'm going to surrender. And it's not that easy necessarily. But the point is, is the battlefield is in your mind. And so... Um, why, why, if, I hope you, if you're in that 2 Corinthians area, uh, look over at 2 Corinthians 11 as well. 2 Corinthians 11, and he's continuing this conversation with these Corinthians. But notice what he says here in verse number 3 of, of chapter 11. He says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so think about that. Isn't that interesting? He's going back to the Garden of Eden. Just as the Satan beguiled, deceived Eve through his subtlety, so your minds 
And I'll just pause right there again. I meant to emphasize a little bit more. So your minds, your thoughts, what you think, your emotions, how you feel, and then therefore it's connected with what you do. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. So what is he saying? He's saying the same tactics that Satan tried in the Garden of Eden, he still does today. And we still bite on it. We still fall prey to it. And he says, this is what's happening to you Corinthians. I thought about this being an interesting thing here. The Bible says in verse 14 of chapter 11, it says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Now, understand the direct context and interpretation of that is talking about um, preachers, and, and, and I say preachers, it doesn't have to be in the Christian realm, but preachers are other people who are delivering ministers of Satan. They come across as angels of light. Although Satanism is gaining uh, and has been for many years now, a lot of popularity in the world, including our country, uh, most of Satan's activities are subtle and deceitful and disguised as angels of light. So he's talking about those ministers, but I started thinking about it this way. I started thinking about other messengers. I started thinking about some of the thoughts we think as messengers. You know, these messengers, really that's coming from no doubt the evil one and his forces as well, but, the, but the, it's thoughts that seem like light. It seems like good. And then he refers, and I know I say it a lot, but it's, he mentions it there in 2 Corinthians 11, as the serpent beguiled Eve. The reason I say that is that's basically what Satan did with Eve. He said, hey, you know what? This is a real, God told you this is a bad idea. I'm telling you this is a good idea. And I feel like that we battle with that on a regular basis. When, is, is that not what we're battling with when we battle temptation? And when we battle whether or not we're going to walk with God and obey God, we're kind of battling with, well, God said this, but I don't think this is a good idea. You know, God said it's a good idea, but I don't think it's a good idea. That doesn't seem to make sense to me. I mean, think about the people that could look in the Bible and just say, well, God said that, that doesn't make no sense. I don't think I'm going to do that. You know, uh, I mean, we, we talk about forgiving. You know, for, some people have trouble just forgiving. Forget, that doesn't make any sense. Well, how, I can't forgive, not after what, the, I can't let them off the hook. Well, we said before, if you believe the Bible, we're not letting them off the hook because we're putting them on God's hook, so to speak. We're giving them to the Lord. So, uh, lest Satan should uh, get an advantage uh, through his subtlety so that your minds be corrupted. So, um, there's a lot of things that we think and I'm, I'm looking through my, my sorted notes here today that I haven't looked in uh, so far yet today. And I just want to think about some of the things that the Bible says about the mind that God wants us to have. I'll just share with you a couple of these. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's, the, that's where God wants us to live. Not a spirit of fear. That spirit of fear speaks of cowardice. But he wants us to live with power. He gives us a mind of power and of love and of a sound mind. Um, 
You know, some Christians live in the quiet desperation of bondage to fear, anger, habits that you can't break, thoughts or inner voices that you can't seem to elude, sinful behavior they can't seem to escape. But through the grace of God, we have victory. And that's the great thing is, you know, a lot of times we want to tell you you can have victory, but the fact is you have victory, you just need to claim the victory. Because everything we need for our Christian lives as far as success and everything is concerned was won at Calvary through the death and the resurrection of Christ. And, you know, it's interesting, and I've got to not get, uh, try to keep on track here, but I was, even in the message later today, I was thinking of the fact that the, the Bible talks about in Romans 6 that we are dead to sin. Now, how many of you feel dead to sin? All right. You're dead to sin. Because dead to sin, you know, we, we just use that. Uh, what are some things that are dead, dead to you? That, I mean, that just don't excite you or attract you in the least bit. Atreyu? you? Drinking. That's wonderful. Uh, not everybody can say that, but drinking. I was going to say Brussels sprouts. Um, uh, but seriously, I, I look at Brussels sprouts, and I, I'm not just like, ooh, I wonder if I can get another one of them suckers, you know. Um, no, thank you. I mean, and, and maybe if they're fried, you know, like in bacon grease or something, uh, maybe you can do it then. But, uh, but I mean... Uh, but it just doesn't do anything for me, all right? I'm, I'm dead to Brussels sprouts. Just no thank you. Um, there's other things that we could be considered dead to. What are you, what, what's something you're dead to? All right. I'll get, I'll, thank you, Lucas. Hey, this is a new thing, and you get to be the guinea pig. We're trying to pass the mic around for the longer comments. Uh, but then I forget that we have Lucas ready to deliver it. But that's right. But, th but then there's things we're alive to. We're things that's like, oh, man, that does it for me. Now, because, yeah, I mean, God bless Atreyu and Ralph, but there's a lot of other Christians that'd be just like, well, man, I'll tell you, there's something in me that still kind of comes alive with the thought of drinking. And there's something in me that still kind of comes alive when it comes to thinking about running with the old crowd. You know? And so... And whatever the sin may be, the fact is, there are things that we are dead to. But I'm telling you, uh, there's times that we, across the board, we don't generally feel dead to sin. But the Bible's, but here's the thing. How important is it how you feel? Really. How important is it how you feel? Not a trick question. How important? Very important. Okay. Uh... Then, I, then I'm going to say it matters how you feel, but it's not all that important because we live by faith, right? In other words, think about it this way. I'm going to bring it to another real practical part of the Christian life. Uh, I've, I've shared this with you before. Uh, I don't know how many of you throughout the years, uh, many people that I've known have struggled with whether or not they're truly saved, right? Right? I've known, I've, I've, known, I've known very few people that have ever told me that they've never struggled on whether or not they're saved or not. Uh, and God bless them. I think that's wonderful. But most people I know at some point or the other have struggled with whether or not they were saved. Why do they usually struggle with where, why, whether or not they're saved? Because they usually don't feel very saved. 
I don't feel I don't feel saved hardly ever. I don't guess. I don't take time to think about it. But it doesn't matter how I feel about that. I'm trying to get back around to this. The Bible says, for instance, we're dead to sin. I don't feel dead to sin. Sin feels like it has a pull on me because it does in my old nature. And that's that's the that's the that's the challenging dichotomy also to figure out is the Bible says when Jesus saved me, he gave me a new nature. So there's a part of me that just wants God, man. Just wants all that God has for me. Just wants to live for God. You read about that in Romans 7. But I still actually have the old nature and so do you. And your old nature doesn't get better. Your old nature is just as wicked today as it's ever been. And it will be that way all the way until we get to heaven and get, get our new bodies. See, some people are trying to reform their old nature. You don't reform your old nature. You accept the fact that you're dead to the old nature. You say, I'm alive in Christ, and that no longer has a pull over me. Or you don't. There's an important word in Romans 6 and 7, and it's the word yield. Yield. He says, we have the choice whether to yield to sin or to yield to the Spirit of God. But Satan and sin actually can't really make us do stuff. So the point is, is that I may not feel very dead to sin, but I go to the Word of God and say, Lord, I've got a new nature that's dead to sin, and Lord, that's what I'm claiming right now. This does not have a hold on me. This does not have control over me. That's important. And back to your point, I believe it does matter. But how, what, what determines how you feel? How about that one? What determines how you feel? Yeah, what you think. What you think determines how you feel. So that's why it does matter how we feel. Uh, but at the same time, we don't live based on how we feel all the time. Um, you know, hardly in any area of life. Uh, I mean, man, I've been, I've been married to that woman sitting right there for 25 years. I dare say over the 25 years, she hadn't felt the love for 25 years straight. I think it's possible. Do you? Uh, in other words, uh, is, is it all based on feeling? No, it's based on, it's based on a determination. It's based on what God says. So, but what you think affects how you feel, and then how you feel is important because how you feel often affects what you do. But anyway, it starts in the mind. Um, hey, I, I talked a lot right there. Any, uh, any catching up to do, questions, comments, clarifications? Did I say anything crazy? Um, sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the verse Philippians four eight. I think we can choose, make a decision to dwell on certain things because we can only think one thing at a time. Amen. And it says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. Whatsoever thing, if it, there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And Romans 6 talks about feeding the good dog or the bad dog. And if you feed the good dog, Philippians 4 8, it's much easier to dwell on the things of God. And it gets a little easier to ignore the old nature. Amen. Thank you, Dorian. I'll, uh, I want to look at those verses actually that she shared. and. Uh, 
And the reference to the old dog is, you know, that she's mentioning there in Romans 7 is the, the picture of the old nature, you know, how that you have. Again, I mentioned that already. But uh, whichever one you feed is the one that's winning the battle. It's kind of the idea. And that's why it's important to know the Word of God. That's why it's important to be a part of the different um, Bible studies, connection groups, services, whatever, being in the Word of God yourself, listening to good things, that, because those are the things that kind of influence your thinking. <coughs> but in so in Philippians 4, the verses that she mentioned, I just want to give a couple of the think, verses that's around that verse. Because it says, it starts off by saying, be careful for nothing, which means don't worry about anything. Right? Don't worry about anything. And then it goes on. I would love to uh, go through. The, these are my favorite verses. Some of my favorite verses. And if you are, if you, I'm just going to read them. It'll be quicker than me just up here mumbling. All right? Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Once again, we got military terminology. We have war terminology with the word keep. Keep. That means to guard as a citadel. A citadel. That's the idea of someone guarding. Think about that. So in other words, but in this case, it's God's peace guarding your hearts and your minds. If we follow what the instruction of verse number 6 and notice what he says there again. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then it goes into the verse that Dory shared there. Think on these things. Think intentionally. Define the influence of your mind. Um, think intentionally. Uh, another passage I want to share with you today is in the book of Ephesians. And as much as I try to quote this verse, it seems like I'd have memorized it by now, Danny. Uh, speaking of scripture memorization, I need to get back to Danny on some of that. But let's see. I believe it's uh, Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read to you uh, verse number 23 just because it falls in line with uh, the conversation here. Ephesians 4.23 says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Uh, verse 22, he's talking about putting off, and that goes with the renovation idea, that you put off in verse 22 of chapter 4, that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man. Conversation carries the idea of our old behavior, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. There you see the word deceitful again. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So it seems like some of the common themes about this whole thing about our mind is deceit seems to be a real common word. Deceit seems to be a common word. And then here we go again, renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, and again, verse 25, verse 26, very practical teaching, putting away lying, uh, speak every one truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, let, the sun, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. But then verse 27, in that same context, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. And again, many of these are common themes, but it's the idea that we don't give ground to the devil. Again, it's, it's military terminology. It's wartime terminology. 
We don't, neither give place to the devil. The way we give place to the devil is by allowing these thoughts to run wild in our mind. And, and again, honestly, one of the huge things, talking about extreme makeover mind edition, I need to talk more about that because I'm talking a lot in, in the general still right now. But what I hope that you can do and that we can discover is how to apply these truths to our lives because the fact of the matter is that the strongholds that were mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, a lot of people, can't have the, a lot of people kind of have the idea that, uh, you know, they got saved and, and, man, the day you got saved, that just took care of everything. Now, it took care of a lot, amen? And I mean, man, what, what a wonderful day. But just getting saved by the grace of God, it may wash away your sins, but it doesn't wash away your thoughts. It doesn't take away your experiences. It doesn't take away your perceptions of everything. So I've shared this with you before, but there's, there's many of us that have strongholds in our minds that go, go back a long, long way. And again, at the heart of a lot of these strongholds is Satan's lie that we can be our own gods because it's like we, we, we're wanting to have our own way and do our own thing and my way is the way and things of that nature. Not God's way, not humility, not meekness, but my way. Uh, and th these are strongholds. There's stubbornness. Uh, there's pride. There's arrogancy. There's a lot of these things that can get carried over from our old lives that are still strongholds. There's unforgiveness. There's doubt. Um, th those things are carried over. So don't give place to the devil. Now here's the, 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 that's a good verse, but here's the thing. Many of us have already given place to the devil. So what do you do then? Well, then you go to 2 Corinthians 10 and you start tearing these things out and saying, you know what? It's time to update. I'm tearing down this old thought and it's, and what do you do with it, man? You just haul it off, man. You just tear, and, and if you ever see the shows, you know, uh, I've discovered that I'm probably a little bit better at the tearing out part than I am the putting back in part. Just because I'm, I'm not the most meticulous person in the world. Uh, and, I, and I lose focus, man. I, I can be in the middle of doing something, you know, that, 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 that uh, requires a lot of attention. Um, or just a little bit of attention, honestly. And I just start drifting, man. And, uh, I, you know, I've, I've worked with some of you before, and you've seen it before. Like, what are you doing? Uh, Chad makes these beautiful rails, you know, and, 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 and I've helped him install them in years gone by. And, and uh, so I'd be kind of, you know, drilling an anchor or whatever, or drilling a hole for an anchor or something to that effect. And uh, I'm drilling and, you know, right against the, right against the rail. And, uh, you know, you got to make sure you drill that thing nice and straight. And you don't want to hit the rail because, you know, he's done all this nice work on it. It's gone to the finishers and coders and painters or whoever. Uh, but I'm just sitting there in the middle of drilling and then just like, I just can't do it, man. I lose focus. Point is, I am better at tearing out than I am putting in. So, uh, you know, just taking the sledgehammer, and, and if you ever watch, uh, who is it, Chip Gaines, man, he, would, he just sometimes just jumped through the sheetrock walls and things like this, goofing around, tearing stuff out. Well, you're, not, you're just trying to get that stuff out of there, right? And I'm just saying, man, there's some stuff we just need to rip out of our thinking. and just We just need to cut it out, man. We just need to say, you know what, Lord, and we, well, how do you do that, though? You bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, I have had this. Again, we talk about, see, we don't realize the things that we don't really talk to God about. We really don't. But we actually come to God and say, Lord, I've had this unforgiveness in my life for a long time. And right now, God, I give that to you, and in Jesus' name, I want to tear it out. 
Lord, I've dealt with this lust for a long time. I've dealt with these wrong feelings of myself for a long time. And I think maybe that's where I'll try to have to, well, I guess I'm, I, I don't know if I'm wrapping up here because I thought I was, uh, had, had, um, I thought I was running out of time a lot quicker. But I just want to share this with you, a couple things. Okay. Who are you today? How would you answer that question? Who are you? Uh, well, I'd probably say I'm Jesse. That'd be my first answer, you know. But, uh, but, 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 but even deeper than that, who are you? In other words, how about this? How do you perceive yourself? That's important. How do you perceive yourself? Um, the Bible says in Proverbs 23, verse 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So here's the thing. However you perceive yourself is the way you live. Now here's the struggle. I'll, I'll read this because I, I wrote it down. I got this, uh, I got this paragraph out of uh, Bondage Breaker. But uh, we all live in accordance with our perceived identity. And I want to focus on our perceived identity. We all live in accordance with our perceived identity. In fact, no one can consistently behave in a way that is inconsistent with how he or she perceives themselves. So how do you perceive yourself? You're going to live in accordance to the way, you're going to live the way you perceive yourself. And that no one can live consistently in a, in a, in a way that they don't perceive themselves. And I bring that up for this reason. What happens with some Christians that hear the Word of God preached, hear what the Bible says, especially as far as their identity is concerned, maybe they actually kind of start believing that they really are a conqueror in Christ. Maybe they start getting the idea that I am accepted. I like that idea of being accepted in the beloved. So what will they do? They'll go out and live for a week or two like a conqueror. They'll go out and live for a week or two like, a, like they're accepted in the beloved, like they're uh, chosen and so forth. But here's the problem. That's not really the way they perceive themselves. So they can't consistently live that way. Your attitudes. How's your attitude? Your attitudes, your actions, your responses. I, need, I really need to build... I, I'm, I should know a lot about it, but I, I should really build just a whole message or lesson or something sometimes about insecurity. Insecurity. Man. Uh, we, the way we react sometimes really reveals our insecurities. The way we treat other people and so forth. But your responses and your reactions to life's circumstances are determined by your conscience, conscious and subconscious self-perception. If you see yourself as the helpless victim of Satan and his schemes, you will live like his victim and be in bondage to his lies. But if you see yourself as the dearly beloved and accepted child of God that you really are, you will live like a child of God. So who are you? How do you perceive yourself? I can tell you the only way that I have 
that I am still standing before you today is that by and large, I perceive myself for who I really am. And that's a conqueror. That's a child of God. That's a forgiving Christian. That's somebody that God's, that, that's uh, God's workmanship. <laughs> In other words, he's still working on me. Not the finished product up here. He's still working. By and large, that's the way I perceive myself. Now, I, it, it would be easy for me to believe and perceive myself as a, lo- as a hopeless loser. Uh, it would be really easy for myself to perceive myself. You know, we talk about the, the power of cursing and blessing. Uh, people who have been told things about themselves, believe things. Let's go back to the beginning. Anything that you believe about yourself, if, you be, if, you really, if you're going to believe that you can't get by without whatever it is that you are addicted to or whatever crutch you're leaning on, that's a lie. We, we lie to ourselves all the time, don't we? I'm going to let a tray you. Then I'll be thinking about some of the lies we tell ourselves. What are you going to say, Atreyu? It just makes me think of Peter, Simon, God, or Jesus named him Peter That's for a right. reason. The sons of thunder, or Israel being that, that one's new name. You are my people. You are a rock. You are sons of thunder, even though they were timid and needed their mom to ask them for things. So, Jesus renames people for a reason. He called us something. That's 100% right. Uh, he calls us something. He called, he called uh, Cephas, he called him Peter. Uh, you're a rock. He didn't act like a rock. He, call, he, did, he called uh, Gideon uh, Zerubbabel. Uh, I mean, he, he names, God gives us a name, and it's important that we claim that. I, I, what I was looking up, I was listening to Trey, but I was looking up just a little phrase that I thought would be a great message as well. Lies we live by. Lies we live by. Me and Chad were just in a conversation the other day, and that, that, that phrase just came up, and I thought, that's a really good, lies that we live by. So... What are some of the things that we, some of the ways that we could perceive ourselves, uh, some of the lies that we could perceive ourselves with? Um, any thoughts on that quickly? Yeah, go ahead, Ralph. One of the biggest lies I've ever believed is I can't. Yes. It has hindered me m- most of my life, so I can't. And my dear wife proved to me something last night that I didn't realize. With her MS, her feet, her feet don't exactly feel things as they are. Mm-hmm. So she did something in that she would feel water that was warm and she thought it was hot. Yeah. Okay. So she used her hand to test it to she developed something that she can trust and she trusted her hands and it was telling her feet what to do. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that, how many times I've done that in my life. In my mind, I can't. Well, it's always been a lie that I believed. What, what does God say I can? What does God give me? And it's, I feel, it's been the last month or so. It's just like, like I said, I can fly. Um, it's just one of those things that I feel like I've stepped into a new world. Yeah. And you're, you're speaking to every bit of it right now. Because I'm not falling asleep sitting here in service. I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm hanging on every word. And that's been a change that I've recognized. I've had it the whole time.
but it's just never been stirred the way it is now. And yeah. It's, it's amazing. And I'm done. Uh, yeah, so that is, uh, that's very good. I mean, because uh, I, and it does kind of, it, it can be in the most practical ways in the world. How many, uh, how many times do I hear a Christian say, uh, you know, I can't, how many, how many of you older folks say, I can't memorize scripture? You liar. Why are you believing that? Who says that? Why can't you? You know, all the things we can't do. I can't be this, and I can't do that, and I can't, why not? Uh, who, who told you that exactly? Um, you know, I mean, there, there's people that, and, and there's some of us that believe that's humility, a mark of humility by talking about all we can't do. And I know that we can do nothing without Christ. Um, but the fact of the matter is, man, we're, I would say we're lying to ourselves because we are, but the, but the, the scarier thing is, man, we're believing the lies of the enemy. Yeah, I can do all things. And what that means is, you know, again, it's, I think the context is really clear that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You know, the, the idea is we can do all that he would have us to do. All that he would have us to do, we can do because uh, I really, I try, tried quoting that verse and going Duncan. Basketball. Um, but I had to lower the goal, amen? And so I guess I could still do it, but I had to change the standard. But it, but it doesn't mean that. It means that we can do all that God would have us to do. So you got to, I'm telling you, uh, it's some of the, the vocabulary. I'm, it's, it's words, man. Read, I'm, we're talking about how much the Bible talks about the mind. Think about how much the Bible says about words. And when you're sitting around beating yourself up, man, I'm telling you, you need to, you need to do some serious checking, man. And quite honestly, uh, you know, and I know that this, this comes to mind for me quite a bit, but like, for real, you really are wrecking yourself. Because you're not checking yourself. And you're just letting your minds run wild. And, and you're sitting there just buying it. You're giving place to the devil. And then, and then you wonder what's wrong. Uh, listen, God's giving you the tools, man. God's giving you the weapons. Start claiming it. Start believing it. Quit, quit counting on somebody else to do it for you. I mean, believe it, amen? Believe what God said. you got to know what God said, but believe what God said. Yeah, Trey, you. Uh, one phrase I heard a lot as a kid was, every time I messed up, which was frequent, either you don't love me or you're an idiot. I believed I, I just didn't have a brain. I believed I was incapable. And once I got past that and started believing reality and what the Bible said, it, it made a huge difference in just my thought process. Yeah. I thought for sure I was handicapped, but that wasn't an excuse, and I'm thankful Veronica pushed me past that sometimes, because she's like, you can do this. Amen. So. Yeah, I mean, and again, there's some of these things that we can struggle with daily. Now, I mean, the, 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 the idea is, is that as a general rule, we ought to be, but these are things that myself and we all can still struggle with some of these perceptions about ourselves. Um, I got to close, and I'm going to close with this uh, I thought this was really good advice because, again, we need the Word of God. Get in the Word of God. Learn the Word of God. Be around the Word of God. But here's what we do when it comes to the Bible, okay? When we, when we find a promise in the Bible, we claim it. Find a promise in the Bible, claim that promise. Now, understand there's context and everything. Not every, not every promise applies to us today. Uh, but when you find a promise in the Bible, claim it. When we find a commandment in the Bible, 
obey it. When we find a promise in the Bible, claim it. When we find a commandment in the Bible, obey it. And then when we read a truth in the Bible, believe it. Believe it. You know, again, I, I mentioned Romans 6. I believe that. Uh, there's, no, there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will with the temptation also make a way to escape. I believe that. So I believe that when I'm in the throes of temptation of some sort, and that's really talking about trials in that passage, but, but, but that could include also temptation. Listen, you just remember, hey, you know what? God's, faith, God's faithful, and he will make a way to escape. He will give me the strength to get beyond this trial. So, um, man, there's a, so much more that could be said about the mind today, uh, but we will stop right there. Any uh, closing questions or comments? Yes, Doria. Um, the pastor that I was under counseling with, he had me go through kind of my life history with him in a brief snapshot after a couple of sessions. And he mapped out God's intervention in my life when I was not following the Lord. And it pointed out to me how protected I was. I put myself in so many dangerous situations, you know? I could have been raped, I could have been killed. Um, and he just mapped that out. And it's like how God has fulfilled prophecy in the Bible to prove that he's real and that his promises are real. Amen. Well, he fulfilled the promises that he would protect and care for his own even when they weren't following him. And so, that was life-changing to me because it made me feel like I really truly was a special child of Amen. God. Amen. And it made all the difference, and I never fell away from him in a major way after that because he had proved it in my life in the previous 20 years that I hadn't lived with him. Yep. That is so powerful, isn't it? Because, like, has anybody ever got away from the Lord? Right? Because that comes into that too, right? It comes. I mean, then... Well, man, there's no way after the way I've lived, the things I've done, whatever, says who? You know, and it is. It's just like knowing his great, great love for us. And that, I think that's one of the way, reasons uh, that, that praising the Lord is such a really important part of the Christian life. Because when we magnify the Lord and praise him for him, how much he loves us, how all he's done for us, man, it strengthens us and it, it changes the, perspe the perception and the, and the perspective that you have when we praise him, praise him for his goodness. Don't focus on your failures, focus on his wonderf wonderful grace and mercy and <laughs> don't focus on just the things around you, focus on how good God is, amen?